0: By I 103.8. 103.8. 103.8
1: will have heard from Malak, whose one-year-old son choked in a mall in the Jebel Ali area. Um, last week, uh, thankfully, a husband and wife, who were passing, stepped in, uh, calmed Malak down and saved her son as well. Uh, thanks to their intervention, Malak has been able to tell her story to us this morning. We'll have more details uh, on that and replay more of it for you throughout the course of the morning. It has brought into uh, focus again the whole need for a good Samaritan law here in the UAE. Uh, why? Well, because one in five people in the UAE believe that they will be legally responsible if they try to help an emergency victim. They also believe that they'll be held legally responsible if that person gets hurt or dies subsequently, or if they help a victim without first aid or CPR training and they get hurt or die later. That's according to the latest figures from YouGov. Uh, the UAE, though, is soon set to become the first Arab country to pass a good Samaritan law, which allows bystanders to offer aid in medical emergencies without fear of legal consequences. Now when we were talking to Malik a little earlier on she mentioned Safe Hands Uh, Safe Hands reached out to Malik to offer her a course uh, and has since received lots of inquiries about first aid for babies, for minors and for others as well to tell us more about that and the benefits therein Uh, we're joined by two uh, spokespersons of Safe Hands Uh, Daniel Suchley is the co-founder of Safe Hands uh, and joins us live in studio alongside uh, Rebecca Smith, the managing director of Safe Hands, also a paediatric nurse Rebecca, Danielle, thank you very much indeed for joining us.
0: Thank Thank you for having us.
1: Uh, Let's stay first and foremost with with Malak's story, if we can, because this is a story that you heard uh, and then you reached out to her. Is that right?
0: Correct, yeah. So um, just because of the nature of what we do, we're a part of quite a few of the community and mums groups on Facebook. And this particular post had come to our attention, I think it was on Tuesday, Um, and we'd been tagged in quite a lot of the responses um, to this as well uh, you mentioned my background in nursing and um, it's one of the reasons we're so passionate about what we do because I've seen the consequences of not having these first aid skills and not being able to provide that care and mm. um, and yeah story touched us so we reached out we invited her onto a course and I think she came the next day on on the Wednesday mm. Um so yeah she's she's found it incredibly useful and luckily her story had a good outcome.
1: In terms of her story, and, and as you rightly said there about the, the you know the, the positive outcome as well. I mean, Dan, is, is this a story that others can can learn from, can take inspiration from?
2: Absolutely. Um, I mean, as a mother myself, um, I've been yeah had the direct um, yeah pleasure or pain of having to perform um, actually choking technique. My little boy, who was six years old. I think most mums at some time or another mm. will have will have this all have lived out. This has been real life um something something happens little ones are notorious for putting things in their mouth that they shouldn't have in their mouth, so whether that's a felt tip top um actually one of the really common choking houses is uh, grapes, mm. which um not maybe yeah, so it's such a people are so aware about that but yeah it's um it's very much a reality and something that. Highlights the the need for people knowing what to do in that in that start, um,
1: and It's interesting. Emergency. I mean, you mentioned there that you, you know this is something that you've got personal yeah. experience of, not just professional experience, but personal experience. Um, and is and we heard from Malik as well, and she was sort of referencing the panic that she got into, and the panic, I suppose, is one of the elements that can mitigate the problems to a certain degree make them worse
2: 100 percent. so in the instance with my little boy so we within a space of three weeks we had two choking incidents both around our it's sunday lunch but i guess saturday um, yeah. lunch and in both cases it was a piece of meat one of them i was really fortunate that rebecca was there and in the instance that Rebecca was there, actually, I went into blind panic, and I very much let Rebecca <laughs> deal with it. And Rebecca, yeah, dealt with the situation, and it it was probably relatively mild compared to the one a couple of weeks later where mm-hmm. we saw the discoloration. He just stopped talking, which for my little boy is there uh, yeah that's not that's not usual. And we kind of l- looked over, and yeah, his skin was changing colour. There was there's was no sound. And to be honest, as much as I thought I'd be uh, incredibly panicked, even though I've, I'm trained as an instructor, so mm. done lots of training. Actually, in that moment, it did kind of... M- m- it was almost like I reacted before I even thought about it. So I conducted the skills without really um, thinking too much about, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? It yeah. kind of came as second nature in the moment. But, yeah, I can guarantee... When Rebecca was there, it was very much... Is
1: that, a... I mean, is that part of... The problem, Rebecca, is the the, the panic sets in and you forget the training. Is it it key to remain calm?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, And and one thing I know is that you can never 100% prepare someone to act in that sort of circumstance, especially if the circumstance is life-threatening. Um, and it's one of the reasons we set up the business because um, the only thing you have to do out here to become a first aid instructor is a four day training course, technically. Mm. You don't have to have that he- healthcare background or that qualification. Um, but that took me back to my time on the wards when we got the call to say a child had arrested or stopped breathing. Mm. And even given a three year degree, a two year college course, and all my clinical experience, I used to panic. Yeah. So I think it's key that people actually um, go and try these skills out. A lot of people research on YouTube or they watch videos on Facebook and that's great. That's that's a basic level of education. Um, But it's key to, to go onto a course and try these skills out. It's really deceiving the amount of pressure that you have to use in some of these instances or how the technique works. So I think to best prepare yourself, that, that practical um, experience and, and that one-on-one sort of practice with at least the mannequins is crucial to prepare yourself.
1: One of those great sort of mantras that we hear so often in, in, in medical fields is prevention rather than cure, et cetera. And, and is that something, is that a policy that we need to apply here? I mean, how often is it people coming to you after an incident? And how, how common are these incidents?
0: I'd say in the majority of cases. It's, it's been one of the hurdles to our business throughout the years because... Human nature tells us that these instances aren't going to happen to us. We don't like to think about these sorts of things happening. Um, so yeah unfortunately we've had a lot of cases where it's taken a situation like malax uh, to prompt people to come onto a training course and nine times out of ten luckily there's a there's a positive outcome but we have seen instances where you know there hasn't been a positive outcome and that's been the prompt which is really really sad but absolutely prevention is way better than the cure it's just getting people to, yeah. to realise the urgency and, and realise that yeah take that step prior to something happening
1: and is that something that you've noticed, Danielle. I mean, both again, you've just uh, shared your sort of personal experiences. Of that the fact w- when you talk about those experiences, you're surprised by the number of other mums and other dads who go, Oh, funny that, because we've had a similar experience.
2: 100%. Yeah. yeah, um, and I think that's that's really typical actually of, of many things, um, associated with sort of healthcare related behaviors. Obviously, um, everyone's on high alert at the moment with coronavirus being yeah. so prevalent, such a prevalent topic. The reality is that the the outcomes that the uh, the statistics actually are probably don't. I'm not saying they don't warrant. Uh, we we absolutely need to be incredibly careful. We need to take every precaution. But actually, it's the focus, it's the attention that's on that at the moment that makes people go, okay, hand sanitising, making sure that I'm throwing away those tissues when I'm coughing or sneezing. That that should be there always. Mm. And all it does is it heightens an awareness. And generally, when you speak, it's the same thing they say with first aid. It's when something happens that all of a sudden everyone becomes really aware of, Okay, this stuff happens all the time. Um, Unfortunately, when it's a bit too close for comfort, people tend to then then act.
1: How do we get over the hurdles? I mean, we've mentioned there about the hurdles of people you know, coming in and, 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 and getting these courses, getting this, uh, this instruction before something awful happens, but also this sort of mind block of Good Samaritans and what a Good Samaritan constitutes here. There is and there has been uh, for a long time an, uh, an apathy for people to get involved in case they are on the receiving end of the law, etc. I mean, is that changing at the moment and how do we change it?
0: Um, I think it is starting to change. I think um, last year we saw major steps uh, towards an ultimate goal, which is the implementation of a bystander intervention yeah. law. And again, it's bringing that focus to the the topic. And I think a lot of people um, are becoming more relaxed um, around this. Um, But, I mean, there have been things written in in sort of legislation prior to that. Mm. Um, You know, there's there's principles in the UAE Penal Code, for example, that state that actually it can be seen as a criminal offence if you don't act to a certain extent in emergency situations. Um, The level of intervention may not be sort of where it's going to be at with the new bystander intervention law, but definitely calling that ambulance and getting the emergency services on the way. Um, and so yeah, I think we've seen major steps over the last 12 months. Hopefully we'll see even bigger steps again over the next 12 months um, but yeah, we're definitely seeing people sort of coming around to that and feeling a little bit more relaxed around the topic.
1: Feeling contentious, want to add some context, have your say and join the conversation on the agenda. On Dubai I 103.8. Loads of text messages coming in. Appreciate that. Keep them coming. 4001. We have got Rebecca and Danielle from Safe Hands here in studio. Uh, Safe Hands who uh, helped Malik, um, our mother that we spoke to in the first hour of the show, whose uh, one year old son was choking in a mall. But. For the timely uh, intervention of a passing husband and wife, who obviously had uh, some sort of first aid training, or did they, Rebecca? I mean, from what you understand of that situation, um, as we were hearing from Malak a little earlier on, you know, the the, the husband taking control of the situation, uh, turning the toddler upside down—is that correct procedure, or is that a new one to you?
0: It's not a new one to me. It's one I hear frequently, and and technically, you know, that's following similar guidelines to what we teach in our courses that we're using gravity uh, to try and and get the object out and it sounds like um, he was using force by giving the back slaps as well there is a much more controlled way to do it um, but the principles of of what he did that day are are similar to what we teach in the course for sure and I do hear that a lot.
1: Lots of people asking about the course at the moment loads of text messages coming in Uh, let's try and paraphrase a few of those Uh, David uh, basically has has been in uh, in, uh, in touch a couple of times so Where can I do a first aid course specifically for choking? I mean, is there a course for that or is that just part of an overall course that's
0: part of an overall course um, yeah that's just one of the many skills that that we teach in uh, in our first aid courses uh, usually they last around six to eight hours so it's a full day uh, of training and it covers all emergencies relevant to infants children and adults so yeah that would be one small section of a, a much bigger course
1: another question from one of our listeners my nanny and i were first aid trained a couple of years ago it seems a long time ago considering its importance to us all i've forgotten the majority of what i was to be honest Uh, how often should we get trained or what can we do to keep up to date with those skills I suppose that's the sort of question about retraining or refreshing the skills
0: refresher courses are crucial. Um, we use a provider um, that offers a two-year certification. There are providers that offer three-year certifications. The reason we chose two years is, again, given our background and knowing that what you don't usually lose in terms of the skills, we think it's important that you you refresh that certification regularly. So we offer two-year certifications, but we also offer a one-year refresher program, which is um, slightly shorter than the initial training, but just gives you that refresher. In terms of the main skills,
1: Abdullah's been in touch as well, saying, uh, Fascinating that you are talking about this today. I needed to use some first aid this weekend and I didn't have a clue what to do. I want to do a course. Uh, how long does your average course take and how does one register?
0: So yeah, I think I mentioned before it's around six to to eight hours, depending on the number of attendees. Um, and yeah, we run them at our facility on a regular basis. Uh, we run open courses for um, adult training, so the basic plus and the pediatric uh, pediatric program on a weekly um, basis at our facility.
1: Um, there's also been, I mean, we've we've focused a lot, Danielle, haven't we, on first aid specific to toddlers and babies and children but I'm, I'm, I suppose you know we need to address the fact that anyone can choke at any age.
2: Yeah and it's obviously first aid doesn't just cover choking as as yeah. Rebecca rightly mentioned so um CPR in general so just being able to act in the event of someone stopping breathing is such a vital skill mm. and one that really we kind of have a responsibility to each other to be able to to intervene and act. Yeah. Um, with, the best, well, with the best intention in the world, an ambulance response time, I think there's an optimum response time um, across five eight minutes. Mm. Rarely does intervention after a period of four minutes after someone stopped breathing become at all effective. So it really is, um, there, there really is a, a need and it is really necessary for people to look at first aid skills in general and not just just choking.
1: And for, I mean, we're coming into that sort of time of year, aren't we, with the, the temperature starting to go up, a lot more people heading uh, out to the beach, heading out to the pools as well. We are surrounded by water uh, here in Dubai across the UAE and how often do we pick up the newspapers of a morning or go to the websites and hear of yet another tragic case of a drowning in a pool a jacuzzi or of course off the coast as well I'm sure that's something that the courses address as well
2: they absolutely do yes and uh, firsthand so we have Sarah today in the studio our marketing manager we were at a pool this weekend and her three-year-old as we just we must have been two lines into a conversation And uh, Sarah's mother's intuition just kicked in as she realized the splash in the Mm. background. And he'd just gone headfirst into the deep end of the the swimming pool. Uh, Sarah quickly reacted, doving, grabbed him out. And it it was luckily it was so quick, but it happens. Um, And there are so many villas and villa complexes with swimming pools on location um, drowning is something that's really, really prevalent here and something that people need to take super seriously. Orla carbury who runs Safe Campaign, yep. um, you know her. She she was on the show uh, a few months ago talking about her campaign after her daughter nearly drowned in a private swimming pool. She's listening in right now and um, uh, she'll have an update on her campaign and she thinks you guys are doing great work. Oh, amazing. Thank that's you. nice, thank you, of you, Orla. Thank yeah. you, Orla.
1: A couple of other questions coming through. Uh, this one from another of our listeners. Uh, does safe hands have a tagalog course
0: we do we do, do um, we do yeah so we cater to home help and nannies um when we look at the pediatric course um you know they are often uh, the people that spend um a lot of time with the little ones sometimes on their own so it's really important that they know what to do and to aid understanding we offer it in in tagalog mm. and uh, this is a question from laura are all the trainers nurses yes all of our trainers are nurses. It's not standard practice out here, but all of um, our instructors are also fully trained nurses.
1: We, I know we, we, we addressed this a little bit before, but I just want to sort of go back to it, if we can, Rebecca, about this whole uh, reluctance for people to step in. I know mm-hmm. that there is a grey area. I know that we need this good Samaritan law to be written into law so that p- there is a lot more clarity in there. But from a, from a medical uh, a nursing background, from, mm-hmm. from, from with your experience, what is the advice to people as to when to step in?
0: Uh, It's a good question Um, and I think we've talked about a couple of topics today um, that I could probably use um, in, in answering that question. You know, choking situations, um, situations whereby the person stopped breathing, yeah. drowning incidents, super, super serious scenarios. The reality is in that sort of situation, you can't make it worse. And that's what a lot of people need to realize because the reluctant con- l- reluctance comes from, I think, the, the laws and regulations out here and the fact that we're in a little bit of a limbo stage with that. Um, but also um this this mindset that they could make that situation worse yeah. in reality you can't um it's better to do something as opposed to nothing um in that sort of circumstance so yeah that's what we try and sort of drill into people in our courses um yeah don't be scared to act
1: Don't be scared to act. Get involved uh, and ask the questions. Those are the things that you need to be doing. So how do people get in touch, Danielle? How do people uh, set about uh, making a change and doing one of your courses?
2: So if you go to our website, so www.safehandsuae.com, from there they can have a full overview of all the different courses we do. Also the same handles, following us on our social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and they'll be able to book directly from there also. But, yeah, it's just about taking action. Yeah. So, yeah, in that moment.
1: Talking of that action, uh, DIG's been in touch with us. Thanks very much indeed for your text message uh, asking uh, if we can ask you guys. And, Rebecca, I, I don't know if you know the answer to this one, but um, do you know if there are any legal requirements for malls to have emergency medical staff and kits? Because we've heard quite often in Malik's case, she was in a mall. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other cases, we see that sort of situation as well. Is that something that is part of the law?
0: Yes. Um, so, um, all malls, are required to have uh, medical staff on site and certain equipment such as um, an automatic external defibrillator. Uh, Malls are one of the the, the places that are required to have this, um, as are schools of a certain size. Um, You see them in the airport free zone now, hotels. Um, So yeah, we we do see these um, sort of environments where you have to have uh, both trained staff and AEDs on site, malls being one of them.
1: Team from Safe Hands can't thank you enough. We are in Safe Hands, that's for sure. Thank you so much indeed <laughs> for being you. with us. Really appreciate you coming in uh, and giving us more information on what you do and hopefully uh, others will heed that advice now, much like Malak did uh, after her one-year-old son choked in a mall last week. Rebecca Smith, Daniel Seshley, thank you very much indeed for being with thank, us.
0: Thank you for having us. Thank you. This is Dubai I 103.8.